the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, for the uh, second time this season, uh, we've had to deal with a uh, fire alarm in our post-game activities. I believe the Stars are 2-0 and when the post-game fire alarm goes off. Am I right? Yeah, I think that's more of an effect than a cause, though. I think someone's pulling the fire alarm in celebration. Um, You're not suggesting somebody in the roster? No, no, just somebody in the building that gets overly excited and uh, may or may not uh, have had a couple adult beverages. And uh, Seemingly affecting you guys up in the press box more than us in the post-game show Valor Bar and Burger. Yes, because you, you're hidden away. No one knows you're there. We also are literally against the garage doors, so we could just walk outside in theory. It's fair. If it, uh... Yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're, we're working on letting people know where we are from new location, but it's a little bit of a hideaway. If you are the person who listens to this car cast, if you happen to be the alarm puller, please stop. Um, it's affecting Sean's work. It's affecting my work. I have to I have to transcribe quotes and do other things and write on deadline while the fire alarm's going off and and they they threaten to move us out of the building and we actually don't move out of the building. So if you are the fire alarm puller, let's uh let, let's let's cool that and stop it. Um, it's frustrating. <laughs> Sean's getting upset. Yes. Alright, on to the game. Um, Stars win 5 nothing, um, and... Oh my gosh, come on, go. <laughs> and now you're getting commentary on people who don't understand how red light and green light work. I'm just hoping that the fire alarm is the worst thing that happens tonight on our ride home, that Sean doesn't decide to rear-end somebody. I'm not going to. not okay. planning on it. Alright. Um, okay, Stars win 5 nothing, improved to 2-0, and and uh, now are averaging three goals in the first period against teams from New York. Um... And uh, made a New York Islanders team, which had been good before two games, before their last game against Edmonton, look well, very bad. They've been playing relatively well. Yes. And have been getting the opposite results. Played well and didn't win against the Oilers. Mm-hmm. And didn't play well and won before that. And so tonight, didn't play well and didn't win. No, and the Stars, uh, we talk about things that have plagued this team and... Uh, a couple of those boxes were checked off. You had Jason Spezza finally scored, breaking a 15-game uh, uh, goal drought. That was a big one. That was that was big. That was uh, he needed that one. Um, you can tell we can tell talking to him post game that that, uh, that 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 meant a lot to kind of get off. The, I mean, and you could see how much his teammates reacted on the bench and how good that one felt to finally have him get on the board. I'm sure it's um, just just to stop talking about it for yes. at least a couple of games. So right, I mean, you could see you know that. Uh, there were a couple of games where Spezza was having, uh, you know, struggles, and you get that sort of hollow stare. Mm-hmm. The I don't know where to go next. Yes. And that look was gone tonight. Yeah. And the Stars they score in almost all situations. They score a four-on-four goal. Are you gonna, you're probably not going to get an empty net goal when you have a five goal. Yes. Score a four-on-four goal. They have a five-on-four. Uh, they score short-handed. And then they score two others five-on-five. Five. Really, the only thing missing was the penalty shots. Um, and the empty net. Yes. Um, and uh, Maybe uh, a goalie goal. Maybe. That, that would kind of have to check off the empty netter. Um, yeah, you need a closer game for that. Yeah. Um, and you get uh, depth scoring in a way. Um, I mean, John Klingberg. 
I wouldn't. Jamel Smith, it's hard to count him as depth scoring when he's playing on the top line, but at least it was. Well, he is. I mean, yeah. he's somebody that has not been scoring because yeah. he wasn't in the lineup for a while. So when, it, when your name is not Klingberg, Ben, Sagan, or Radulov, you are depth scoring right now. Yeah, and Ian Mark adds another on a uh, unassisted goal technically, but Josh Bailey should get an assist for the uh, that play. Served up the pizza, I mean, as Bruce said multiple yeah. times today. Yes. So, it's a terrible giveaway. A phenomenal yeah. forecheck. I'll tell you what, Sean. Uh, I spouted off this stat a couple of times. The Islanders came in nine for their last nineteen, forty-seven percent on the power play, and the Stars penalty kill shut them down on more than one occasion tonight, including the shorthanded goal. But what's really crazy is that's the seventh shorthanded goal allowed by New York in sixteen games. That's almost. A shorthanded goal allowed every other game. It's not that, good. That's, that's terrible. That's that's worse. Seven is more. That's the worst teams in a season. That's a worse ratio than the Dallas Stars had last year. They were terrible when it came to that court category, letting up shorthanded goals. Um, tonight, uh, kind of in that similar realm of Jason Spezza getting his first goal, Jason um, Ben Bishop gets his first shutout as a uh, as a Dallas Star. And not that we were. Needing or, or requiring Ben Bishop to have a shutout to, to determine success, but that has to feel good for him too. It's his first shutout with his new team. Um, Who doesn't like a shutout? Yes, though, right. Yes. And makes only has to make 14 saves, which is big. Um, on top of that, there was actually some tough ones in there. Um, he makes the uh, the second period particularly. He makes the two on one save on Everly. Um, about a minute and a half later, he makes the. Uh, the diving, sprawling glove save on Chimera with a little bit of an assist from Tyler Sagan, who uh, clears, the, play off the yep, line. clears the puck off the goal line. And uh, so, overall, there's not much you can pick at with this win. This was a complete overall three-zone offense, defense, special teams. It, it was a complete win for the Stars. Interestingly, is you know we're talking about these high percentages for weird stats. I had my unofficial quality chances for the Islanders tonight at 6. 14 shots. That's almost 50% of their attempts on goal were high-quality chances. So, well, Bishop's volume of saves was really low, only 14, which is, I think, the fewest shot at, shots on goal the Stars have allowed in a game since, I think, 2011, mm -hmm. uh, if I saw the stat correctly later tonight. But when 6, I mean... The two you mentioned in the early part of the second yeah. period, it was a 3-0 Stars lead. And first Everly, by the way, Matthew Barzell is going to be a heck of a hockey player. Oh, he's a good player. He's really good. That pass to Everly on the 2-on-1, Bishop goes post-to-post. -post. If he gives up that goal, which would have been totally understandable, mm -hmm. it's 3-1. The Islanders had come out with a push to start the second period. That gives them some life. Maybe they get another one, Chimera. Could have been 3-2. Could be talking about a different hockey game, but they get those saves from Bishop and then the Yanmark short-handed goal, and that was it. Yeah, and, when, and that's the narrative the Stars didn't have last year. We talked about last year. One of the biggest struggles for the Stars last year was their goal. They didn't get the big saves when they needed them, and they and they got them tonight. Um, the uh, and, and on top of that, it's I think it's I continue to harp on Sagan's assist there on the secondary on the after. Uh, Bishop makes the glove save on Shamara, but that's a play that 
I don't know if Tyler Sagan makes that play or if he's in that spot before this season, frankly. just We've seen him evolve so much as a two-way center yes. in the first 16 games. Where I don't know if he's in that spot to make that play um, last season or the year before. And I think that the maturation process for him as well as Jamie Benn kind of was what Hicks was talking about tonight, the post-game show, in regards to the next level of leadership for those two players is to now take the responsibility of getting other players going. And I said to Bruce on our radio post-game show, that immediately makes me think of the two superstars from the Chicago Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, because they many nights don't play on the same line and their jobs are to get two lines of scoring going and they do it consistently and I think their stars, superstar forward duo is just as good but they don't have the Stanley Cup rings to prove it Sagan has one but that's it get them you know whoever you have on my line we're going to be good tonight yeah um so let's talk about lines first. Let's let's look into that because obviously a bit of juggling coming into tonight, um, a, bit, a bit of juggling coming into tonight, and the uh, couldn't have gone much better for the coaching staff. No, huh? couldn't have gone much better for the coaching staff because the results, instant results. You have uh, Sagan centering, I'm uh, sorry, Jamie Ben centering Jamel Smith and Alexander Radulov, Sagan centering Matthias Yanmark and Devin Shore. Um, Jason Spezza, Martin Hansel, and Remy Ellie. Uh, and I thought actually, on a quick side note, I thought Martin Hansel had one of his better games of the season tonight. I still uh, think we haven't seen him at full speed yes, yet. But, but I still think it was one of his better games. Oh, no, no, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I think he's going to get better if he can just stay healthy. He hasn't yeah. had any luck with that. Yeah. And the fourth line of Antoine Roussel, Radic Fox, and Brett Ritchie, a line that didn't play that much, but it was also a game that worked well with easing two of those guys back in because they're coming off injury. You don't really want to play them 18 to 20 minutes. Yes, not yet. Um, top line... I don't know if it's, it'd be interesting to see if it can be sustainable, but it's something where if we saw what tonight continues, Jamel Smith could find a permanent home with, with Ben and Radulov. I mean, obviously, you need more than one game sample size for it to continue to grow, but I thought Jamel Smith did a great job tonight of not overthinking where he was. He continued to play his game, well, he won right. pucks, and he didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't, defer too much or, or worry about I'm playing with superstars, I have to think about it that way. He still played his same game. He did, and then when he had a chance on a beautiful passing sequence by Klingberg and Radulov, mm -hmm. he scored. Yes, He had the, the composure to realize he was one-on-one -on -one with Halak mm -hmm. and to take his time and go around him and score. So it wasn't just head down, grind in the corners, win a battle. He showed some skill and some patience. But yes, the whole point is be who you are don't try to be something you're not. I'm not saying that he can't play with skill because he showed some tonight, but the one difference was, uh, you know, a couple years ago when Cody Eakin went from playing with Ryan Garvin and Antoine Roussel and they put him with Sagan and Ben, he said, I have to change the way I play a little bit because I know that Garvin and Roussel are, are going to get the puck, fire it in the corners and charge after him. He said, I have to be more alert when I play with Ben and Sagan because they, they passed to me as we we're racing up the ice. So there's some subtleties that you might need to be aware of playing with the likes of Ben and Radulov or Jamel Smith. We still need to play the same way. Yeah, you can't overthink it. It's a quick side note. It's funny. I had a, I had a conversation this afternoon with uh, 
uh, Pete Jensen, who's the NHL.com fantasy editor. Him and I were uh, ended up trading a couple messages because he went through and ranked his top line so far in the season right. in fourth, and he had his fourth line, his fourth best line in the NHL this season was that Ben Sagan Radulov line. And then um, him and I had a converse, little bit of a conversation about wondering how many people in their daily fantasy leagues decided to add Jamel Smith tonight <laughs> as a, a cheap budget. In the I don't I don't play daily fantasy, so I don't know exactly how it works. But as a low, would have paid off tonight. Yes, it would have paid off tonight. Um, the second line, um, I thought they they had some chances tonight. Devin Shore, I mean, is kind of the definition of snake bit tonight. I mean, there was he had the one. Throughout the season, Devin Shore's been the definition of snake bitten to put a puck in the net. Um, he had the chance where uh, the whistle was actually, play was actually blown dead because Halak had the mask kind of knocked off. And, that was after Yanmark made a great yeah. centering feed on the rush. They were like two on two. Mm-hmm. He gets around one. Yanmark with great speed. He, he had a good game tonight. Here's the thing about Devin Shore, and he and I talked about this just a couple of days ago. He does a lot of things well. And he does a lot of good things for his team that doesn't always have to translate into he, he's there are some players who are natural goal scorers that if they don't score they feel like they haven't done anything. Yeah. Patrick Line is one of those guys yes. who says, you know, if I don't score, I don't feel like I'm helping the team. Kevin Shore can do a lot of things to help a team without scoring, but when the team's looking for some depth scoring, they need that. But he's kept a really positive attitude and he defends well, he kills penalties well, he has points on the power plays. I mean, he's playing top line power play, he's doing something right. Yeah. And he knows that. But finishing would be a nice addition to what is already, I think, a pretty balanced player. Devin Shore is interesting because he's kind of the riddle, he's kind of the counterpoint you make to the analytics. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't rip on the analytics crap, I want to make that clear. I think analytics are a tool, and I think it's something that, but I, Devin Shore is the counter is the counter when people point out a limit because his shot attempts again, his Corsi is not good, his plus minus is bad, and I know that's a stat that people like to throw away, but his statistically, Devin Shore does not look like a good player if you only look at the stat sheet. But every scout who I talked to, and I talked to a lot of scouts because I ended up talking to them quite a bit during the intermissions, um, they everyone likes Devin Shore's game. He's, yeah. he's, the, he's the classic example of the eye test doesn't match the stats, at least right now, um, and I'm not, and I, I personally, I believe that analytics and the eye test should be used together. But it's just an interesting. It's he's just an interesting riddle in how that kind of plays out. Because you would think when you watch him play, and you think, well, you know what, he should have better stats than that. But, and I think that the more he plays, I mean, as the season goes along, I think that'll even out a bit. But there still is a little bit of how do we get him to finish? Because the the funny thing is that he hasn't been able to score yet, yet I think he's one of the players that inherently goes directly to the net with the puck and drives it more aggressively than most players do. And he'll, there'll be times where he goes down by the goal line and then just bolts to the front of the net. And those are going to go in at some point. Yeah, and that's how he scored goals during that. And I watched firsthand when he had that stretch in the AHL where he was before he got injured, where he was the AHL's leading scorer, AHL player of the month, probably the best player in the league for a month, where he was just scoring goals where he was going hard to the net. It wasn't anything fancy or well, anything like that. happened last year when yeah. he was up with the Dallas Stars. He yeah. wasn't scoring from 20 or 30 feet away. He's scoring from 5 feet and in. Mm-hmm. So, Devin Shore's a guy who, in similar realm to Jason Spezza, you just need kind of need that first one to go in and then kind of work might, through him. Might be him streaking. Um, so, that was a line that I thought... I wouldn't mind seeing again when they play on uh, when they go when they play Monday. Um, you had I still am not completely 
they were good tonight. I, personally, I'm still not completely sold on the Spezza Hansel Ellie line. I thought they were decent tonight. Personally, I'm still not completely sold on them just because I think. I'll tell you one thing. I think there is some chemistry growing with Hansel and Spezza, though. I think there is, but I just, it's. I, I think that it's. I'm still not sold on the combination. It's, okay. I, I think there's more that could be brought out of those players by putting them with different combinations, but. It worked tonight, so I, I was wrong tonight. But uh, I'll let that slide. Yes, fourth line tonight. Um, I thought Richie looked good for a player who was coming off injury and missing a couple games. He didn't look injured. Um, I thought Foxes looked a little more timid. Um, and, he had a great pass. Yeah, to set up a chance for Richie. So yeah, and uh, and then uh, Roussel was. <laughs> The result was result tonight. I mean, that's I don't really have much else to I mean, say look, about that. They, they, they were, they were good. I, I, it's a five nothing win. Yeah. They get up early. It just goes to show that what kind of cascading effect can the first goal of the game have? The Stars scored 92 seconds in the hockey game on a great play by Klingberg and Ben, and then they got another one later in the period, then another one two minutes after that. And all of a sudden, it's three nothing. And the Islanders are looking at this massive incline to, treat, to get back in the game. And then they get a couple of good saves from Bishop. It's so much easier to play with the lead. And it's not just in hockey. Other sports are like that, too. Playing from behind takes its toll. and becomes a, a wearing down of attrition where you just can't sustain that. You have to play from in front. Now, are there going to be some games this year where the Stars rally for a third beard and come back? And win? Probably. They haven't really done that yet, but you want to get the lead and keep it. And I thought uh, one of the things, Sean, that I thought was really cool from this team was how they really shut down the third period. There were a couple of chances against, a couple chances well, for. Only four, Shore, only four shots against in the third period. Shore had uh, all night in front of the net and almost where Halak made a great save. But, again, I only had two quality chances against in the third period. Uh, with a five nothing lead, that it should be turn it off, game over. Shepherd yeah. this off. Mm -hmm. And you look at the defense tonight. Um, I thought John Klingberg was great tonight. I mean, even if you don't, even if he without Mark Mathot, man. Yes, down. yes. I thought Essa Lindell was very good tonight. Essa had an excellent yeah. game tonight. Klingberg tonight. First period, he showed off the offensive skills. He had the goal, he had the two assists. He now leads the NHL amongst defensemen scoring with 18 points in 16 games. But there was a play for me in the third period that stood out where John Tavares comes in, John Tavares breaks down the left wing, ends up circling around and not getting a shot off. That's a play where the reason Tavares doesn't get the shot off is because Klingberg stays with him, goes stride for stride, he's smart, doesn't overcommit, and then one of the best players in the NHL doesn't is less left out of options and it created it, it, it didn't create a chance. Yeah. Um, that was the play that stood out to me. Over, I mean, it, it's just kind of an ideal overall night where John Klingberg looked like an elite defenseman tonight to me. Um, yeah, did a lot of really good things. Put the offense and defense together. Even had showed some incredible reactions. I mean, on another night there could have been a own goal at the end of the second period mm -hmm. where the pass from behind the net hits his state stick yes. going to the open net and he has the wherewithal and the reaction time to get his stick over the puck backhand it off the line and not let it go in I mean how many times 
would you see that go in? Not just on him, but you know, just bad luck. In general, I mean, in general, it seemed like that's something that's cursed the Stars over the past 18 months, where they've had things like that have gone into their own. And net. tonight, things yeah. were going their way. He was very good tonight. Uh, I thought Lindell was very good tonight. Um, the uh, I, you know, what else I thought really played well on the blue line. I thought Dan Hamby had an excellent night. I thought he and Pattern were solid tonight. They they had some moments on the penalty kill which were really noticeable yeah. and. Hamus uh, was on the rush a little bit offensively too. Yeah, and Hamus had that uh, early in the game when it was still, uh, I think it was still one nothing at the time. Hamus had that poke check to poke the puck away from, uh, I believe it was Lee who the puck would have gone to. I might be wrong on that, but either way, Hamus had the had the bit of the diving poke check to break up a potential chance. Um, I, th I thought it was a very good showing from them. Uh, I like that pairing right now. Yes, they've, they've played well. Um, John's. Um, Johns and Alexiak, they didn't have a bad game. They just had a average game. I've, I was I was pleased. I, you know, Alexiak was okay. Uh, I hadn't played defense for a few weeks. Yeah. I thought Stephen Johns looked good again. I, I really, there were a couple times tonight where I noticed that and said, wow, uh, he's come a long way from last year's inconsistency and frustration. He's playing with a lot more confidence than you can see it. I, I think Johns is a power play tool. I don't think a guy who could be used as a power play tool. Just with his shot and with his with his, his the way he looks towards that. I don't think he can quarterback a power play. I, I don't think he's got the hockey IQ to do that, but he's a guy who I think as he progresses in his career, he could be that second defenseman on the power play as sure. a guy who can kind of just be that cannon on the on the right side and the power play. Yeah, you know, for two Blistering one-timers on their top line with Sagan and Radulov. They don't really have a Shea Weber type yes. or a PK Subban who can just crank it from the blue line. Now Klingberg's very good for the point, but it's not a blistering slap shot. He can hit a hard slap shot, but yeah. it's more of his ability to snap wristers through bodies. Uh, Spence is the guy on the second unit. He's got the big shot. Yeah. Although Lindell's not a bad shooter himself. No, he's How about not. This another two points tonight. Yep. He's uh, and he's done a. Good, I mean, he's done a good job of getting shots through. Lindell does a, It's not a heaviest shot, but he does a very good job of finding the holes, and getting the shot through, and creating chances. Um, it was uh, over. Overall, there's as we said, there's not much you can pick apart for, for the performance tonight. Um, on the Islanders' side of things, I did not think Halak was very good tonight. Uh, he was uh, particular, actually, on the Lindell goal. It seemed like he just didn't react to it. Look like a knuckle maybe yeah. on him a little bit, but that's a goal. You, yeah. I mean, that's not even a high quality chance. That's one that you go, your goalie has to stop. I, I wondered. I, was, I, I wondered if that if if the Islanders didn't have a back to back playing St. Louis tomorrow night, I wondered if maybe in a typical game, if you would have changed goalies and brought in a, after a, the third, after or after the third, third goal, goal, or even to start the second period, perhaps. Absolutely. Um, I just. But with them going to St. Louis tomorrow night, I, it's basically that's unless something astronomically bad happens, you're basically saying this is this goalie's game no matter what, uh, because you want to save you want to save the other guy to, to play that full game the next night. Um, it, it's 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 interesting because the Islanders. It's not like the Buffalo game where they made a bad team look bad. The Islanders aren't a bad hockey team. The Islanders looked bad tonight, but the Islanders aren't a bad hockey team, and that's something that's... Came in with six wins in their last nine games. Like... Points in seven of those nine. I mean, like I said before, their power play was absolutely on fire. They had won some games where 
maybe, you know, you know you're doing well when you win some games where maybe you shouldn't. If your team doesn't have the best dominating performance, you still find a way to pull out the victory. But, yeah, no, I mean, this was this was a very good home performance. You get the lead and then to push on the gas and not let up and kind of go for the jugular. The question is, like, look, you're not going to get that every night. You're not going to win 5 nothing all that all the time. But that's a feel-good win. Now, don't put too much stock into it, but be pl- be pleased with it. What do you do when you go to Carolina? The interesting thing about that one, Sean, is that, you know, we saw the Hurricanes and the Stars had it, jumped out to a, a, a good lead early and then kind of had to hang on. Hurricanes, I, I really like what they're doing for a young team, and yet... They get a lot of shots. And yet, on the, on the flip side, the... Um, Funny difference is that they have they had a big win tonight in Columbus, but in the previous games they had not resulted well. And so by doing that, I read from uh, their their local sports columnist in the Raleigh Observer that they were questioning whether Bill Peters should still be the head coach. They're a 500 hockey team right now. I think they do a lot of things well, but they haven't been able to turn it into results. Yeah. It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic with that team because I think they have a really good young core. I like their goalie. I think he's still got a bit to prove to be a full time, to prove as an NHL starter. But I think there's a lot there. Um, I mean, this is this road trip coming up is going to be interesting for Dallas because Carolina, I believe, can be a very good team. Tampa Bay may be the best team in the NHL right now. I have some go- the most and, goals in the league. Yeah. And Florida isn't a. I don't. Florida, if, if, if you're looking at the pecking order of that road trip, Florida is the bottom of those three, but they're not a bad hockey team right now. I mean, I think... Well, they, they haven't been playing well as a group, yeah. but they do have... I mean, look, Luongo missed most of the beginning of the season due to injury. You get him back, and he can be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. They have some good players, but it has not clicked for them so far. And you have... You start to you start to wonder as you take a look at this road trip. I mean, this is a road trip where the uh, we talk quite a bit about the stars and can they turn? Can they be a successful team on the road? Because they are now uh, six and two at home, I believe. If I'm correct on that statement, there. Yes, Winnipeg and Vegas, the only yes, two the only two losses. Um, can they find success on the road? And that's been the biggest issue that this team has had this year. That and if they weren't in the Central Division, we'd be very happy, but they've just struggled against the Central Division. Right. Um, the, uh, will they be able to fix it on the road? Can they start games on the road? That's that's the other issue, too. Well, here's the one thing going for them, is that they have a, a very poor record to start the season against the Central Division. They're 1-5. Against everybody else, they've been pretty good. Yeah. So... Um, you know, eight wins. I think they're eight and two against non-central division opponents, and they play four of them in the next week. So, well, I don't know. They, they, they've done well. Typically, they've gone to the east and had success in the last couple of years. But they need to turn those in to get some road wins. With the exception of the Vegas game, I mean, with the exception of the Vegas game, where the Stars actually, I believe, outplayed Vegas in their Mark Andre Fleury performance away from winning that game. Um, they haven't dropped points against teams they're not supposed to drop points against. 
That's, right. That's that's big, and that's something that this team did last year when they dug themselves into that hole and then never recovered. You can make, you can go make a lot of hay by beating the teams below you. Uh, sometimes that's tough, right? Teams will rally against the tougher opponents and then play down a little bit to their level uh, of if uh, they play a struggling team. And Stars have, as you said, they've pretty much deposited those teams that are below them in the standings. Mm-hmm. But you better believe that the coaching staff is thinking about how to play and and hang with and beat the big boys. Yes. Interesting. Another interesting thing out of another interesting thing out of today. That was kind of. We had the Curtis McKenzie saga of, out of the last over the last three days, which was interesting. Where he was a player who the Stars couldn't. If we go back to Monday when Jamie Alexiak played forward, the Stars basically the only call up options that day on Monday were uh, Cole Yuli, uh, Mark McNeil, or, and, uh, or Justin Dowling, and they didn't call up any of them. And Jamie Alexiak played forward. Um, they acquired a little bit more cap space by waiting until today and recalled Curtis McKenzie, and then. Kenzie doesn't play. I mean, I understand that you call a guy up because you don't know if you're going to be able to have two forwards in the lineup, right? Uh, Richie and Fox have both returned, negating the need for McKenzie, and Jason Dickinson actually was a healthy scratch tonight. Okay, so the question is, did, you know, is that in defense because you didn't think either one were necessarily a guarantee to play? If that's the case, sure, okay. But considering they're so close to this salary cap, there is some question of was that needed if they you know, knew. Now, Fox has skated by himself yesterday, so I'm guessing that they weren't sure he was going to play. Richie skated with the team, as did Pitlick, who did not play today. In fact, they put him on IR, but he'll be eligible to come off it by Monday for Carolina if clears his medical procedure or um, evaluation. So then you you wonder, was it... I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt, right? It it doesn't hurt, but here, one of the frustrating things, and by actually, um, according, by the time most people listen to this, Curtis McKenzie will have been resent to the AHL. Okay. Um, By the time... And so we talked... I haven't heard that yet. Is that... Is that going to happen, or is that uh, your, your speculation, or it's, uh, is it's, that your inside source that... That's something, that's a bit of a, uh, according to a source, I can say that by the time most people listen to this... You're expecting that transaction I, I'm to expecting that transaction to happen. Okay. I'm expecting Curtis McKenzie to be sent to the AHL. I would not be surprised if he played for the Texas Stars tomorrow night. I'm, the only thing about that is just, it's a bummer because yes. McKenzie's played very well in the AHL. Uh, it has had a good attitude considering he didn't make the NHL roster. It was a tough camp uh, with the likes of Jamel Smith uh, playing well and making that spot. They eventually waved Cracknell. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Remy Ellie came up and yep. took a spot as well. But we've known Curtis McKenzie for a long time now, uh, all the way back to mm-hmm. the introduction to the pro career at the end of the 12-13 season when he came out of Miami, Ohio. And then his first rookie season in 13-14, in where he was the AHL Rookie of the Year. I believe that McKenzie still has game that he can play in the NHL. The question is, with everybody healthy, is he going to get a chance for the Dallas Stars to do that? And he's I, played very well in the AHL. Yeah, I, I, just, I just don't see the opportunity, unfortunately. That's the thing. He um, needs a pile of injuries, yeah. and you don't want to, to root for that. For, no. 
from an NHL perspective. I, and, it, and it was it was kind of the bummer for the player. Um, is I mean, we talked to him this morning, and there was no indication that he wasn't playing. He wasn't. We talked to him this right. morning, and there was he was talking about playing in the game. He was. I mean, even if. And, and he did this. He said the smart thing, as as all call ups should say, is if I'm in tonight and everything like that. But there was no indication that he wasn't playing. I mean, it seemed like he was going to play. Uh, and then Ken Hitchcock. Ten minutes later. Ten, ten minutes later, we're talking to Ken Hitchcock, and I believe Mark uh, Stepneski asked the question of what he expects to see out of McKenzie tonight, and Hitch responds with nothing because he's not playing. Um, <laughs> so. Um, Bummer for the player. Kind of an odd, interesting saga just with the salary cap issues and everything like that. Um, but ultimately, uh, the, what the primary objective is to get a win and, and the stars with, the, won, with yeah. the NHL lineup, they did that. And so mm-hmm. it, there are occasionally times where a player gets called up, he doesn't play for the AHL team, he doesn't play for the NHL team, and you go, well, gee, why? But it's a, it's a backup plan, and... And, and, That's why you have players in your and, in your system for depth. And he got an NHL game check for it, so <laughs> not the worst thing in the world. Not, not the worst thing in the world. Um, one thing that I wanted to, uh, I guess, wrap up with, just because I was asked to discuss it on the uh, in the middle of the game, the uh, and it works well since we're in the car cast here. One of the my new favorites for the in-game entertainments is uh, driving with Devin. Speaking of Devin Shore, where. Uh, What's, uh, give me your quick review of uh, Devin Shore's uh, acting chops, Owen. Okay, so this is a little difficult because a lot of times they play these uh, when okay, that's we're true. on the air, like intermissions or whatever, but they do usually during media timeouts and stuff, so try to hear a little bit. The, the things that I have noticed is that he's not afraid to put himself out there mm-hmm. and to, to sell the bit, and that is really what makes it successful because there are other players that wouldn't necessarily be willing to to throw themselves to the wolves mm-hmm. and and go you know risk it for the comedy and he's he's go, he went all in so i really applaud him for committing mm-hmm. to his character personally i'd like to see somebody put together a uh, whether it's a spoof on the video board or something but i think somebody needs to throw it cuz especially cuz one thing one fact about devin shore is devin shore loves christmas i can actually tell you that from from that's actual knowledge. Him and I have spoken about. He is a uh, Devin Shore is a big Christmas buff. He actually he loves the holiday. He can tell. He can name all the reindeer. He, and so I think there needs to be some either video board. Well, you know something. the funny thing about that is Sean is that from my standpoint, I don't. Think, I personally don't value knowing all the reindeer as being all yeah, that I'm difficult. Just making but, a bad example. But no, yes, no, wait, wait. I have another part to this yeah. comment. So I don't. You would think. Oh well, geez. Most people know. The, all the reindeer. Well, when that was tested, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, there were quite a few Dallas Stars players who could not come up with the That's eight true. reindeer, not counting Rudolph, yes. and really struggled with it. So, well, initially my reaction would be, that's not that impressive. It's more based on his colleagues than we would have expected. Yeah, so I, I'd like to see the Devon Shore Christmas special. Maybe Mark Matha could find a role, because he, he has a presence with the camera. Natural presence in front of the camera. And we, we, we'll have to think of a good title for that. I mean, we still have... Uh, we still I actually have... bumped into Mark Matha on the way downstairs for the postgame show about five minutes ago in the last media timeout with the other injured scratches and healthy scratches. He was in very good spirits. 
he doesn't like being, he did, said he didn't like being upstairs because he wanted to be playing, but um, it was interesting because I'm an above average height human being at six feet tall, and I felt very short in the elevator with Mackenzie, Dickinson, Pitlick, and Mathot all towering above me. And well, it was before the game, I, it was funny, I saw Mathot before the game when he came up there, and he didn't know where to go. Like, he went up to the press box. It's the first time he'd been yes, up there. Yes. He went up to the press box because typically he had been scratched for preseason games. But preseason games, there's just so many of them that they typically they put a bunch of them in a in a uh, in a regular uh, suite. Um, An so empty he, suite that they yeah, don't have. Yeah. He, he didn't know. Uh, he didn't, he didn't know where to go. He came up and he asked. He said, "Where he didn't know where to go." So we had to Mike Hike and I had to kind of point him in the right direction for the, uh, the where the players where the scratches typically watch the game from. So that reminded was... me of my first preseason game with the Texas Stars, where Jack Campbell was a healthy scratch because we had Christopher Nilstorp and then I think it was Josh Robinson. It sounds right. Uh, it might have been one of the other goalies. Stars had three or four goalies in AHL training camp, but Campbell wasn't dressing that night, and he had never been a, he, and he. He walked up to the mezzanine of Cedar Park Center, then Cedar Park Center, now AGB Center, and didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do, and he looked like lost. A, he looked completely lost because he had always dressed for a game since as long as he could remember. Because even as the backup goalie, you always dress and sit by the bench or in the corner. It was one of the funnier yet sort of sad moments of watching him. He looked like a boy who lost his puppy. <laughs> Didn't know where to go, and you know a couple of people in the star staff helped him find a place to go where they take the scratches. But mm-hmm. that when Mathot said that, it kind of brought back that memory. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the good the, the good thing is we don't know the kind of the length of Mathot's injury, but it, I don't think it's going to be long term. It's something. Don't where, get the sense that that's the case. Yeah, um, all of the injuries. I mean, you have two of two back tonight. You had. Uh, Pitlick is, I believe, getting closer. He skated today. I think they're just being cautious with him. Um, you see, he has, he, has, he has injury history in almost any... You name a body part, Tyler Pitlick has an injury history. It's a hard game, and yeah. it's, it's sort of prone just because of the style. So, I think they're just being overly cautious with him, but I, I, don't, I think he'll be back sooner than later. Um, so, ideally, you'd, you'd like to think the Stars would be fully healthy heading into this road trip. We'll see. Obviously, they have off tomorrow. They practice uh, Sunday. They practice yep. Sunday. Um, it'll uh, it'll be the ideal if they are healthy. So, um, any uh, parting thoughts before we uh, finish this up? My thoughts were just that this was a feel-good win for the team. Uh, it, you know, blowouts don't happen all that often, and they should enjoy it. It's great to take the, that, especially after the disappointment of Winnipeg on Monday, into an off day where they had to think about, wow, we just lost to the Jets for the second time in a week, and maybe we're not as good as we think we are. Now they get a day off tomorrow where they get to go into it thinking, hey, you know what, we're not as bad as we think we are either. And it also showed that with some some energy, right, they, they had come off a long stretch of games, road trips and travel, that they were able to get that energy back, and they had that tonight. And so that was a really nice thing. Um, and... It's also good to cross up some of those boxes where people were struggling. You know, uh, I think Jamel Smith was fine. It was nice to get get him a goal. I thought Yanmark had a great game. Nice to get Spezza a goal. Nice to get Bishop a shutout. 
even though Bishop has not been the problem during the Stars' struggles in some of their recent games, especially against Winnipeg. Uh, at the same time, he didn't have very good numbers in the last five games. So to get a shutout and boost those a little bit, again, deserved good feelings and vibes, but now they have to go out and do it again. Yep. Uh, my, You covered all the hockey, so I'm just going to say, if you are the person pulling the fire alarm, please stop. <laughs> that is, it is making my life uh, frustrating to deal with at the end of working in the press box at night. So if you are the person pulling the fire alarm, please stop. Um, to everyone else, except for the fire alarm puller, thank you for listening, and uh, everyone have a good night.